Welcome, welcome, welcome to another great episode of the Midlife Makeover Show live on Instagram. I have thoroughly enjoyed the IG Lives because not only do I get to meet so many awesome guests and we get to chat about so many amazing topics, but I also get to see the names of my followers, friends, and family popping up on the screen, my own kids included. It is so cool. So thank you to everyone for supporting me, supporting the show, supporting my guests, and most importantly, for you supporting you. Because if you're tuning in, then there is most likely something you are wanting to learn and improve about yourself, your relationships, your health, your well-being, your mindset, and your life. Bravo to you for supporting you. I'm glad that you're making yourself a priority because you deserve to live your life your way. You deserve to be you, especially in your second half of life, right? So pat yourself on the back for having the awareness and the desire that something needs to change within yourself and within your life. And if you need anyone in your corner to cheer you on, I got you. I am definitely here for you, pom-poms and all. I've actually been doing a lot of market research lately to learn more about what you need and about what you want to help you live a happy and healthy second half of life. I do all this market research so I can bring you more great content, awesome guests, and tactical advice so you can actually make all those changes you desire to make in your life. That is important to me because you are important to me. On Wednesday's episode, you will get to hear about all this fascinating market research and how it's going to help you, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Okay, before we move on to today's episode, a couple of reminders. Number one, join the Midlife Makeover Club. It's our private Facebook community for all things related to midlife, relationships, health, mindset, and more. You will receive episode updates, interview clips of the show, I love those, those are my favorite, Instagram live videos, wise words from Wendy, and of course, some wacky words from Wendy. I mean, you got to have that. (laughs) Basically, anything to help you live, love, and definitely laugh through midlife. Just go to themidlifemakeoverclub.com and request to join. That's it. We would love to have you. Number two, join us for the next Instagram live show. The cool thing about IG Lives is that you can meet new guests live on the show, you can ask questions, and you can even come up on the stage to be a guest on the show. How cool is that? So how do you watch these live videos? It's really simple. Two steps, you guys. One, follow me on Instagram. Just search for Wendy Valentine or the Midlife Makeover Show. Two, go to my profile and you will see all the upcoming Instagram live shows. Click on the ones you want to join, and you'll receive a reminder when we go live. You can also view all of these events on the Midlife Makeover Club page. Okay, I hope you will join us, and I would love to see your name pop up on my screen. And make sure you say hi. Yeah. Okay, now for today's episode on ambiguous loss. Ambiguous what? (laughs) If you have never heard of that term before, don't worry because I had never heard of it either. But now that I know what it is, I realize that I have experienced a ton of it in my lifetime. I share a bit of my losses with you during this show today. 
The cool thing is that today on the Midlife Makeover Show, our beautiful guest, Stephanie Sarazen, will teach us all about ambiguous loss and how to conquer loss like a boss. Oh, yeah. Stephanie Sarazen is a grief recovery specialist and author of the book, Soul Broken, a guide for your journey through ambiguous grief. Make sure you order Stephanie's new book at stephaniesarazen.com, Amazon, or Barnes & Noble. I will also leave her contact info for you in the show notes. Okay, without further ado, please welcome Stephanie. Enjoy the show. Uh, for joining us again, everyone. You back. Yay, it's us back. Um, I love learning where everybody is from in here. So please, if you can, as long as you're not driving, type in the comment where you're from. We get a lot of peeps from um, Germany, the UK, and Switzerland, and lots of cool places. Wow. Where are you at, Stephanie? I'm just outside Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a Carrie, North Carolina from someone, New Jersey, hey. Spokane, Washington. Thank you, Spokane, Washington, for joining me again. Uh, Marina, California. Wow. It's so awesome. Thank you guys for joining Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I wow. spend, have you spent much time in Colorado? Uh, maybe a week Florida. total. Yeah, just a really? couple, yeah. couple of visits so over pretty. the years. I want to spend more time there. Oh, nice place. Nice place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I used to live in, uh, hello there, Chris, upstate New York. Nice. I used to live in Virginia. Oh, beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's someone from, you got a lot of North Carolina peeps. You got some, hey, Wendy, really nice to see you and to see you as well. Okay, you guys, um, I'm curious. Um, I want you guys to type a one in the chat if you know what ambiguous mm. loss means. Is that right? Ambiguous grief, ambiguous loss. Ambiguous grief. Mm-hmm. Anyone? I didn't. I didn't either. It's so ambiguous. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. I didn't either. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? Is this ironic? Right? So one, what did I say? One, if you do know or don't know. I don't remember what I said. Do know. One, if you do, do know. know. Okay. So you do mm-hmm. know. That's cool. I had no idea. Nice name wrong. So, uh, Stephanie, tell everyone a little bit about what you do and the most important question, why you do what you do. Oh, gosh. Okay. That's pretty good. So I am an unlikely uh, ambiguous grief researcher. Um, Certainly isn't anything I wanted to do or thought I would do. I have a master's degree in public policy and Mm. have spent most of my career in nonprofit management which I chose and loved and enjoyed. Um, And uh, gosh, almost seven years ago now, I found myself in a situation where my my marriage of almost 20 years um, Mm -hmm. ended Mm -hmm. and I was experiencing um, a a grief that I didn't recognize, a grief that felt different than grief as I understood it to be, you know, when my grandparents had died or you know, had other heartbreak in my life. And I, I was just really um, curious and it, frankly, in so much pain that mm. I wanted to find a way out that I began, um, I began kind of my, my own research and mm. writing about this grief that I was experiencing. And ambiguous grief is the loss of a loved oh. one 
who is still living, mm-hmm. though not as they once were. Mm-hmm. And in that research, I found, oh my goodness, there are so many people experiencing this and divorce uh, yeah. is just one of many different activating events that can trigger this grieving process for people. And so why um, I do what I do, I've written a book, it's called Soul Broken, a guidebook mm. for your journey through ambiguous grief, and it's out October 11th. And I wrote the book because it's the book I needed all of those yes. years ago. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anybody to talk to me about it right. and um, kind of help me through. So my hope is that this book uh, is able to help others. And, and my website, which has some resources on it, will help others who are going, going through this mm. and not knowing there's a name for it. Yeah. And that's so, wow, it's great that you're doing what you're doing. So besides, so there's divorce, I would think mm-hmm. even Alzheimer's. Absolutely. Cognitive decline is huge. And what I did, you know, yeah. I started writing about my own experiencing my own experience and published some articles online. And then people started coming to reach out to me to say, I didn't know there was a name for this. Right. I have, I'm grieving the loss of my mother to Alzheimer's or my son to addiction, um, mm-hmm. my child to incarceration or, you know, my partner to indoctrination uh, into mm-hmm. a gang or a cult. Um, familial estrangement, gender identity, you know, it can go on empty nesting. These are all different ways that we go through life. And, you know, all of those things I just named, you know what all of those mean. We all, we all know what that is, right? Right. But to experience it and to, to lose that relationship and to grieve that relationship, we don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. We, we might just write it off as sadness, maybe some depression, some loss. Mm -hmm. But it's grief. Just because there's not a headstone to signify the death of the relationship doesn't mean it's any less than. Yeah. And I think, too, even, you know, the loss of, of, of a career or who you were at a certain point in your life. I know for right. me, like uh, so much of my life changed where it's even, you mm-hmm. know, my of what I knew of who I was and friends and family and all that changed. So it, it was almost like having to grieve the old me. And absolutely. Yeah. The relationship that I had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when our, when our identity is tied to that relationship, whether it's a spouse or a parent or um, a job, Mm -hmm. you know, a a role as a, a role as a mother or father or a caregiver, whatever it might be. And then that's gone. Right. That is grief. That's, we don't know how to grieve it. Yeah. So I mean, this might be a silly question, but do you grieve for it differently than you would if it was an actual physical death? That's a great question. That's not silly at all. Yes. And that's the trick because, yeah. okay. So if a loved one were to die today, if mm-hmm. somebody just, uh, you know, cherished in your life died a physical death, mm-hmm. you would know what to do. The people who love you surrounding you would know what to do. Now, I'm not saying we are great at it because mm-hmm. I don't think we are. Um, in, in becoming a grief educator and learning through David Kessler, who's a grief expert, uh, you know, it's just incredible to see how little we recognize death in our country. Yeah. You know, and if you think about it, when we were kids, you might have seen the big black hearses driving around town and we knew what that yeah. was, right? Yeah, right. And I encourage you and all of, all of the viewers to, to watch for hearses mm. today. 
You don't see them anymore. Which actually, well, yeah, some of right? them are mini, some of them are minivans, but they're, they're <laughs> minivans. They're white cargo vans, and and yeah. even hearses. The point is, like, even hearses have been eliminated because they're uncomfortable to see. Yeah. Right. So That's you might see one in procession. I thought so too. Right. So you huh. might see one in procession from the funeral home to a burial site, but we don't see them as we once did, and it's because they're uncomfortable. It's because we don't huh. do death so great here in our country. And so, but even, even with that, if, if, if I, if you were to lose our loved one to death, we would have, we would know we'd be planning a funeral. Mm -hmm. We would, you know, maybe give a beautiful eulogy, pick the pallbearers, um, select the music. We'd go through the ritual and the ceremony that we've created in our society to, Mm -hmm. to, um, honor our loss honor that person. Right. And, and as we, as we have this conversation, Queen Elizabeth II has just passed on, correct? And so so we see all this pageantry and all of the um, pomp and circumstance for her life. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what we do. But again, when you lose your job, when you lose your loved one to addiction or your mother to Alzheimer's or whatever the case may be, where are the casseroles? Yeah. Yeah. Who's my baby casserole? Yeah. Who's, who's coming to fill your freezer? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That is so interesting. I was even thinking too, sometimes even the loss of a home, like some people have lost their home, whether it was due to foreclosure or like I had a home back in Virginia that was infested with black mold. We had to give that up. There was a lot of loss Mm. there, but like you said, yeah. And I, I feel like we're so used to avoiding if someone is kind of going through something or they feel like they're oh, like, okay, ooh, better just stay away instead. Like, yeah, like you, right. yes. We don't know what to do. Right. And even when some, you know, when we're, so when we are kind of watching a friend go through a physical death of a loved mm-hmm. one, we might send a card thinking of you. We might post on Facebook oh, my thoughts are with you. You know, we, yeah. have, we kind of have these lists of things we say. Yeah. Um, maybe we drive, we drop off a casserole and mm-hmm. all of the, nobody would think that was strange, right? The right. person mourning would say, oh, you know, there's a meal train happening for me. Yeah. That's what kind of what we do. And then you do the funeral and then you probably don't talk about it very much anymore. At least right. people, you know, and it's only, I don't think it's because people are awful people. I think it's just that we don't know how to be right. there for others in their grief. Mm-hmm. It's not been modeled for us in our families or our community, or, or we don't want to overstep. I yeah. really don't think it's from any, any negative place, you know, mm-hmm. it's um, just that we don't know. And mm-hmm. then, and if that's for death, which we all know is coming for all of us, natural part of life. Yep. How can we expect our communities, our friends, our loved ones to know how to support us when we're grieving the loss of all of those relationships we just listed? Right, yeah. You know, to those, to those activating events. They don't, people well, don't know I, what to do. I almost feel like it's, you know, it's expected of us to hurry up. Like, let's get a move on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, whatever. You sign the divorce. I think I put a thing on there last week or whatever, one of my podcasts that came out and it was about divorce. And it's like, just because you sign those papers, that doesn't mean it's right. over. Like, you've got to take that time to grieve and to heal and so that you can move on. And right. I, and I almost feel too, I'm all about like, energy and, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, even though if you're, even if the other person doesn't know, it is forgiving them so that they can move on. 
And that's even part, I think, of the grieving process too. People want us to move on because it's uncomfortable for them, right? And so they want to see us as we, you know, kind of used to be. They want to see us out of our depression or our, you know, bargaining or our denial or whatever phase we might be in, right? Right. From our, from our loss. And yet, you know, I I have come to believe that grief is love's invoice, right? Mm. We're grieving because we love and there it's a yin and yang it's and and just as you didn't love instantly Mm -hmm. and deeply right you can't just stop grieving instantly right Mm -hmm. and it's you know for every you know if you're if your barista moves away Mm -hmm. you're going to grieve differently (laughs) i don't know Somebody, well, <laughs> I could be a really bad. good barista, like the best barista. But if if your relationship, you know, the relationships are are proportionate, yeah, to our grief, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so, why would we um, be able to kind of get over it? And uh, that's actually something I write about: is people want us to let go, we want to let go, mm-hmm. but how? Nobody right. like where are? I feel like I had my hand up at every you know retreat. I went to, or, you know, any class I took, it was like, okay, but how, mm-hmm. but how, and right. Elsa for the love, that song, let it go. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. I hear you, Elsa. Let it go. It's the number one most downloaded song ever is let it go. Let it go. And yeah. I will tell you, Wendy, I actually purchased, um, frozen two yeah. just to see if she tells us how. Oh, and she doesn't. She, how to let go. She did. Come on, Elsa. I hear you. Let it go. Give How it to do me, you honey. let it go? Yeah. Right? Because I don't, in my experience and the experience of those I've interviewed, it isn't just a decision to let go. Yes, that's a part. Like, mm-hmm. you know, deciding to is is the first step or wanting to is the first step, but it doesn't mean it's that you do it just right. because I'm going to let go now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-uh. It's well, a, it's, right. it's the same thing as like forgiveness. I forgive. Do you really? Oh, you know, like it's Let me tell thing. you. Yes. <laughs> Um, I call it the other F word <laughs> is forgiveness. And yeah. I kind of take umbrage with this because yeah. uh, um, forgiveness and hope um, mm-hmm. were two things that I really wrestled with in my yeah. experience. And I see others wrestling with too. And, and forgiveness, I mean, both are good things. We, mm-hmm. you know, forgiveness is where we are taught that forgiveness is divine. Right. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, to to forgive is divine, to be higher, to be mm-hmm. better, to be the one who forgives and doesn't carry that. There are just Google it. And there are so yeah. many quotes about how you are the better person if you forgive. Mm-hmm. And I I'm just going to go ahead and call bullshit. And I know it's not popular. <laughs> I know it's not popular because what it has done Yep. I think, and I went down like a rabbit hole of trying to understand where this came from and why so many people in my life and in mm-hmm. the lives of others who I've interviewed were talking to me about forgiveness, mm-hmm. almost like it's almost like it's the panacea. Well, when you forgive, you yeah. feel better. Yeah. Well, if you want to heal, you mm-hmm. have to forgive. Mm-hmm. Do I? Do yeah. I? Yeah. I don't think so. I think that forgiveness, this is what I have come to believe. So mm-hmm. no shade to anybody who is waving yep. the banner for forgiveness. Yeah. But for me, I feel like forgiveness isn't something that starts your healing. 
mm-hmm. but forgiveness is what has the opportunity to happen yeah. at the end of your healing. Yeah. As you are healing. Yeah. And so I invite people experiencing any kind of grief, if they feel that there's forgiveness in the mix in any way, mm-hmm. to take the pressure off yourself. Yeah. And instead of being in search of forgiveness and trying to find forgiveness, let forgiveness find you. Just be mm. open. Be I love open that. I'm going to have to forgiveness. on that one. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's what, I mean, that was my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I just see it to be true in so many others. It's and in the same way that, you know, we can't just snap our fingers and let it go. We can't snap our fingers and forgive. We can say we do, but I call mm-hmm. that forgiveness. Yeah. F-A-U-X. It is fake forgiveness. <laughs> and I love it. I think we do it for the benefit of other people, right? right. So they'll get oh, off yeah. our backs. Yes, yes, I've forgiven. And, or, and also, yeah, I want society, you to think I'm a good person. Yeah, society, yes. religion, all of that, where it's like, if all you don't it. forgive, like, then you're just like, oh, my gosh, that's awful. How do right. you not forgive? Kind of- and if you're, you're not ready, you ain't ready to forgive. I mean, there's been several, several things that have happened in my life that were mm-hmm. traumatic and with different relationships that it took me a while, sometimes decades. I'll admit to actually forgive, but I didn't. And I love that you said that I did, you know, you don't pr- like take the pressure off yourself to actually forgive just when it happens. And you'll know, right. You know, when it happens. Yes. I say it's like an orgasm or menopause. Yeah. <laughs> hot flash, right? We'll go with the first if you one. Don't, if, if you don't, I really haven't had a hot flash yet in full disclosure, but <laughs> if yeah, you the former, <laughs> I have. If you don't know, sure, if you've forgiven, yeah. then you've not forgiven. Right. But once you've had the experience of forgiveness, and you know what? It's like love, right? Yeah. Once you've had the experience of love, you know that's what it is, right? right? Uh, right. Romantic love of another or, or, you know, familial love. You know that that's, oh, that's love. And, yeah. and you internalize it. And in the same way that we can't just snap our fingers and love somebody, oh, I think mm-hmm. I'm going to love that person. And then yeah. it's done. Like it, love grows. I think forgiveness grows as well. We grow yeah. toward forgiveness just as we grow toward love or we don't. And I, I also, again, unpopular opinion. I think it's okay if people never have forgiveness find them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so it's intimate. Okay. That's yeah. so intimate. And I, I mm-hmm. tell people, you know, if you wouldn't ask somebody about their sex life, don't ask them about forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's so intimate and yeah. you don't know the details. Right. So why do you care if your friend has forgiven somebody who has yeah. hurt them? Or to judge them if they haven't or to judge right. them if they have. I mean, I have yes. that where I'm like, yes. oh yeah, of course I've forgiven him for this or her for that. And mm-hmm. they're like, what? How could you do that? They should write. Right. My God, that's, that's my, that's my heart. That's my soul. That's yeah. what, that you know, is, so right. it's so, so are there stages of ambiguous grief? Yes. So okay. what I found, and I worked with a terrific, you know, I began to kind of um, form this hypothesis that there was something else that just kept coming up in my grieving process that was unlike the, the experiences I could name. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the most commonly known stages come from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, right? When she mm-hmm. was when she was observing the dying and mm-hmm. the stages that 
those individuals were going through. And it's um, anger, bargaining, denial, depression, and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And then most recently, meaning was added as well. And and you know, some you may experience all of those or none of those, but they are quite common stages that people go through as they're grieving. Mm-hmm. And I could say, oh, that's anger, or right. oh, that's this is depression. You know, again, something you don't know until you're in it. Like, you know, until you experience it, you're like, oh yeah, I, I have been depressed. And so I could identify those stages, but then there was this one that kept coming, Wendy, and I'm like, what is that? It was like mm-hmm. it was like the face of somebody. You, but you just couldn't place the name like that right. experience. Like mm-hmm. here it is, but what is it? Yeah. And um, through research and working with a terrific psychologist, um, Sophia Cottle, who helped me put this process model together, we found hope. Mm. Hope was the stage that kept popping up, mm. and it is like whack a mole. Like every time it would come up, you know, I I got to the point where I'd have to just whack it down. But this is something that doesn't happen when our loved ones die a physical death. Mm. We're not hoping that they're going to return, right? We are not spending energy hoping that they show up on our doorstep. Yeah, because there's finality to it. Like there's like, you can hope all you want. We know that there's the fact that it's not going to happen. So that's so interesting. I have not thought about that. Right. But so hope was this thing that kept coming. And, uh-huh. and so I, I ended up doing um, additional research to find how long people stay in hope and, and what hope looks like. And there are two kinds of hope. And I kind of, I say that hope is kind of like a double agent in, for the ambiguous griever. There's internal hope and external hope that mm-hmm. pops up. So, you know, one day you're, you're grieving, you're, you're feeling um, acceptance or anger mm-hmm. or pick whatever you're feeling. And then you're feeling hopeful because you've started thinking, oh, my, maybe there will be a cure for Alzheimer's. Maybe my son who is yeah. um, struggling with a, a substance abuse and has run away from home will come home clean and get yep. to recovery, mm-hmm. right? Maybe um, my loved one will come out of incarceration early. Well, you know, we start thinking or we start mm-hmm. saying, gosh, maybe I could, maybe I could do something. Mm-hmm. What can I do? How do I put them on my back and I help them through this? And so when we're doing that, when we're focused on the hope for another person, we are living an external hope. Mm. And it's like this roundabout that doesn't stop. We're mm. just, we're hoping that there will be a cure. We're hoping for all these things that we can't control. Because it's like nothing to do, nothing we can do yeah. could impact it. And yet we're doing the research. We're finding the recovery centers. We're looking mm-hmm. up, you know, the best doctors or whatever the case may be, right? Talking to attorneys to get them out of prison early, whatever the case. Mm-hmm. But the other hope is internal hope. And as soon as we say, I love this person, but I cannot control their situation. I mm-hmm. cannot hope for them. I have to turn hope toward myself. That energy in hoping for a reimagined life without our loved one yep. allows us start to let go yeah of the relationship that once was which can make room for the relationship a new relationship i'm not saying that all ambiguous grief relationships aren't healed many are Mm -hmm. most aren't but many are yeah the word that was um kept popping in when you were talking about all that was acceptance and it's accepting what is and you know, I, one of yeah. the things that 
uh, one of the quotes that got me through a lot of my losses um, was, was the serenity prayer. So, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yes. So for me, I kept having to go, mm-hmm. all right, Wendy, what can you do? Even right. though, And I think sometimes we think of, um, I think sometimes we think that it's not even like what we can do, but how we can think of it and how we can heal emotionally with it. I mean, acceptance isn't just something kind of like the forgiveness thing. It's like, I forgive. Like, well, no, just because you say it doesn't mean that's what you right. really think. And right. forgiveness and acceptance, it's like you have to truly, truly accept what is. Yes. And it's a practice, yeah. Yeah. right? It's, it's the intention to keep practicing acceptance. And mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned the serenity prayer. That's it's so incredibly wise. Yeah. And if we look back, you know, um, it's the sentiment is shared across humanity mm-hmm. for forever. Um, Epictetus, uh, the you know, ta- from I don't even know a million years ago, talks about controlling what we can, can control and yeah. doing away with what we cannot. Just Right. Being able to set our minds, our minds are so powerful. I know, and we are in—we're really the boss of what we allow ourselves to think about, right? Yeah. And what we don't allow ourselves to think about. And so, being able to channel that, be actionable in the Serenity Prayer to mm-hmm. move that into action, right? What does that look like? It looks like knowing the difference, yeah, and and just stopping your thoughts as they're happening and saying, okay, wait a minute. Oh, I'm, I see what I'm doing. I'm cycling back into hoping and looking for, looking to fix this. Yeah. But it's not mine to fix. Correct. It yeah. It isn't, it is out of my control. So I have to sort and file. Yeah. And, and ultimately it's, I'm in my control. And I, I, That's I, I don't know. Yes, exactly. And I, for me, and I'm just looking back at some of the stuff I've been through, I kind of found that with, the losses and the trauma that I went through and the grieving, mm-hmm. I almost got so exhausted with it all that I just naturally fell into letting go of it. <laughs> I almost, you know what I mean? Like, yes, I was curled up in a ball in the corner of my room. I'm like, oh my God, it's so exhausting. Like I'm done. Like I can't do this anymore. So I, I find that sometimes the letting go is, is it is so difficult. To do that, I, to, to me, that's. Have you ever read the book "Letting Go" by, by um, Melody Beattie? No, um, I'll have to. I'll send it to you. I okay. can't think of his name right now. Really, really good book. Um, but it's so true, and I, I think, and I still struggle with that in general yes. in life. Of just like I'm constantly, Wendy, let it go, let it go. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. right. We would love to just be like, well, let me fix this. Let me do that. I'm going to take care of this. Like, I can barely fix myself. Not much less fix everybody else, you know? Right. And who do we think we are that we have that power? Yeah. Right. But, and I think, thanks for sharing, you know, that you, Mm. you have been in that situation and, and exhaustion drove you to the action of letting go. And I think that's a great example of you allowing it to take court, take its natural course. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Grief is navigable. It's, mm-hmm. it's natural and, and we can navigate it. I think we just don't talk about it. Like, did anybody say to you, you know what, Wendy, if you just kind of allow yourself to go through the process, you'll get to 
a resting point where right. you know mm-hmm. you will have you will have grieved this loss and you will be able to take it with you in a healthy way moving forward. I'm guessing nobody said that. No. Right? No. But that's that's the reality, right? Yeah. Like, let yourself feel this and yeah. you'll get through it. Yeah, for me, it was always kind of like this. And who knows, like what we obviously what we pick up from society, friends, family. Mm-hmm. And there, there, every time I would go through some type of loss in my life, it would be basically suck it up, buttercup. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. You, you yeah. got you to gotta get a move on. We, we don't have time for this. Like, let's go. We don't, we don't have time for grieving. You need to be strong. Like, let's move through it. So I had a bit of a bit of an, I know I had a bit of an aha moment before you and I uh, went live. Well, finally went live, but so, and I'll share this with everyone. So I, my, and I'm going to try to say this without crying, but so my, which that, well, we'll get crying is okay. I was going to say that's liquid love. Sometimes. (laughs) You know, it's not like you complete the grieving process and you're good to go and you can tell a story without crying or whatever. Like it's still there. Like you said, it's love. And what is the saying? It's better to have lost than not to have loved at all or something right, like that. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so my brother, my poor brother, he suffered with addiction pretty much his entire life. It was a huge struggle for me. I like when you talk about the hope, there was always like, okay. I can help him. I can do this. I can talk to him. And it was for decades this went on for me. And finally, he had had gone into a coma the first time. And that changed everything for me. Like, literally. And I can remember Mm -hmm. walking in, okay, walking into the hospital room and seeing him. And I can remember, like, talk about instant forgiveness. It was the most miraculous, beautiful moment in my entire life where I thought I no longer saw him as an addict. I no longer could hear those voices of, you know, horrible things that he said or did. None of it. Everything just fell. And I finally saw him as a spirit with a body. And not yeah. a body with a spirit. Like I saw him just for his true essence. And I was thinking, this poor guy has been doing the best he can yes. for his whole life. Yes. And t- I literally, and so I love that you said before, like forgiveness, you, you can't force it. I tried to right. force it for decades. Mm-hmm. And with, and not just with my brother with addiction, but several people that I know, or even just addiction. Like I finally was like, I get it. I, yeah. I totally, and it felt so good to just truly, truly let all that go and to just love him. So yes. the aha I had earlier was, so after my brother had gone into the first coma, years later, he went into a second coma. In between the first and the second, I grieved for him because I knew he wasn't going to last much longer. So I can remember by the time I walked in, what's really bizarre, it's the same exact hospital room that he was in. And this, this hospital is huge. So no coincidence, but right. He was in the same, so I walk into that same room. Here I am again, years later, and I knew he wasn't going to make it. 
but it was wild because I had already grieved for him, even though I did end up, I, that was one thing too, before I went there, I even told myself, I'm like, I'm going to give you the, I told, I was like, I'm going to give you the gift of grieving for your, for your brother. And I did. I took my sweet time. (laughs) Yes, I did. I was like, I'm going to grieve. I'm going to tackle this sucker. And it was so good for me to do that, of giving myself the gift of grieving, whether it be ambiguous or actual physical death. So, right. You've had both. Yeah. Gosh, thank you for sharing that. That's so hard. And and just walking into that, that hospital room and seeing him that way twice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is something that stays with you. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, you describe, Wendy, what, um, what is v- very similar to what it happened for me and what ha- what I've heard happens for others. It's almost like when we up, like when we upgrade our operating systems mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, we press a button and then all of a sudden we have all these new features, you know, yep. on our operating system for our laptops or our phones or what have you. And, you know, it, it happened for you instantly. And it's like this, it's like Wendy 2.0 now with forgiveness, right? (laughs) Like you've just been given that. Yeah. Right. It's been, you now have it on board. It's now part of your operating system. And, and that's what was my experience with forgiveness as well. And when I, I think that when we allow grief to transform us in this way mm-hmm. we we find that it's a portal it, it's a portal to our our more compassionate self you know to our yeah. more understanding self to our our greatest and highest nature mm-hmm. the best of who we can be and um how how hard and how wonderful that your brother taught yeah. you that oh i know i am like i it's wild the gifts that come out of forgiveness and letting go and detaching and and that was a huge part too having to let him go i mean that right. was so painful oh it's so painful yeah and at the same time it was like the natural thing to do too it right. just felt because i think of the work i had done for all those years i was able to go all right dude you know so um yeah it yes. was a beautiful experience Beautiful. Right. And, and you wouldn't have gotten there if you hadn't allowed yourself yeah. that natural experience of it. And so yeah. many of us don't. We don't right. allow it because we don't. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, my, this again. Another yeah. day of this. Oh, <laughs> you just want to move on, right? You want to get on with your life. Yeah. Um, and yet you can't get to that upgraded up-leveled version of our yourself if we if we don't go through yeah I mean I think like I said it's you do have to give yourself that gift of grieving and because nobody else is going to no one's going you know what once you go ahead and no you have to give that to yourself and another quick quick little story Mm -hmm. so my ex-husband passed away when he was 26 years old and I was single mom at the time. And so there was not time. I, I couldn't grieve. I was like, I, I got to go. I, like, I had three jobs at the time. I was like, there was not time for grieving. So that was another reason, too. When my brother passed, I was like, damn it, I'm going to grieve this time. You know, yes. so it's like, yeah, so important. Whether anybody out there, like, 
whether it's physical death, but most importantly, the just your relationships, divorce. And I mean, it's so easy, I feel, to distract ourselves, to get back into, okay, well, I'm, think about this. Like people going through divorce and they jump right into dating. Like, right, you, right. You're right. not even taking the time to grieve for what you just had. Like, it's, right. it's so important to... Um, to love that, to love those losses. And I, I yeah, agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. And you know, something that, you know, so with, with the deaths that you've experienced, there's funerals, I'm guessing that happened, right. Mm-hmm. Um, as are in my experiences, but for those grieving an ambiguous grief, yeah. when the, you don't know how to grieve because right. they're alive. Mm-hmm. Um, what I recommend for people is an actionable step and it is creating, again, a faux funeral, right? So mm. it funerals are great because there's it's it's a ceremony meant to be witnessed, and grief mm-hmm. needs to be witnessed. And when we just as though just like love needs to be witnessed, right? Yeah. When your grief is witnessed, you're validated in your grief. Mm-hmm. You're, you're validated in a love that has changed and a relationship Mm -hmm. that has changed. Mm -hmm. And so what I tell people that I found hugely beneficial in my own healing is take action and create a ceremony, create a Mm -hmm. ritual. We've been doing, humans have been creating ceremonies and rituals (laughs) forever, millennia, Uh. all of it. Like if look around today and just notice how many exciting beginnings are celebrated, especially like on social media, right? We celebrate the beginning of, you know, it's a gender reveal or it's a new business is starting or a baby (laughs) shower or a wedding. We love beginning. Oh, I love celebrating our beginning, but But our endings. Yeah. No, no, Mm -hmm. we don't. We, we grieve privately when the, Mm -hmm. when the business goes under or, um, the baby has struggles or, the marriage ends, you know, we don't, we don't celebrate our endings and it might be hard to think of an ending as a celebration. So I invite people to think, think of it in whatever way you need to think of it, but consider creating your own ceremony Mm. and inviting people to bear witness, um, Mm. bear witness to grief, even if it's one person, uh, out, you know, at a favorite spot in nature or in your living room or mm-hmm. on Zoom, whatever you need to do, allow that grief to be witnessed and, you know, give a, give the eulogy to your mm-hmm. marriage, give the eulogy yeah. to the relationship you had with your brother mm-hmm. um, and allow that, allow others to be, allowing others to be part of it then gives them an opportunity mm-hmm to see it as navigable and natural for themselves. Right. And maybe, maybe eventually we'll be able to to support each other more in our grief of any kind. If we're just brave enough to talk about it. I love that. We should do like a little Instagram live ceremony and (laughs) it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's really powerful. And, um, you know, it doesn't need to cost anything. It's, it's really just from your heart and giving recognition and honor to to the love of that relationship. Otherwise yeah. it's not, it's, it's just kind of out there in the ether, you know? Right. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it's, and there, when I did this for myself, um, you know, being, I had two attendees, I invited two people and um, being able to, you know, play, play music 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I curated the music. I spoke. They spoke. And then being able to thank them for doing this, you know, I, I felt that finally mm-hmm. um, the marriages I had loved, the marriage that I had loved was acknowledged and celebrated yeah. you know, um, with, these, with these friends. And um, it was just, it was a really beautiful moment. So I, yeah, I, I highly and, recommend it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's great. And I think that no matter how anything ends in life, no matter, you know, if, if it's a happy ending or a horrible ending, there's mm-hmm. something you can take from every single experience. And honestly, my the traumatic experiences in my life have been my greatest moments have been have what have helped me be where I'm at right now. I wouldn't be doing this if I haven't experienced all of that. And so I'm right. so grateful for them. Like I and, and actually, and I've said this before, this kind of goes back to trying to fix and help and control, you know, what everybody else is doing mm. in our world. If somebody took away any of my trauma, even like some of the stuff I shared with you guys here, if anybody took that away from me, I would be so pissed <laughs> because like that's, it's, I wouldn't have gotten that forgiveness. I wouldn't have received, you know, the right. love, the unconditional love. And I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I had not experienced some of that crap that I've been through. Yeah. So I think it is yes. trying to just embrace losses and, and go, I mean, go into loss like a boss, you know, like, all right. Oh, I love this. this. You know, I know, right. You, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I think you're so right in that. And it's, yeah. you know, the things that you shared, Wendy, thank you for sharing those. And I'm, I'd be curious too, with the viewers, you know, so often what I have found, the reason I couldn't find people to talk to me about, you know, discovering betrayal, experiencing betrayal trauma was because there's shame and embarrassment attached to it. Right. And, and so it's, they don't talk about it because they don't want to be talked about. Mm -hmm. And so they, instead they grieve they experience it privately, quietly, yeah. often isolating and doing it alone. Mm-hmm. And you saying, I love my brother who struggled with substance abuse. Yeah. Addiction is a horrible thing. Yep. He's not horrible. He no. struggled with addiction. And yeah, that, yeah. De- that definition is, you know, saying it in that defining way, I, I hope allows others who hear you yeah. see their loved ones who struggle with substance abuse in the same way, you mm-hmm. know, and and I think the more that we talk about it openly, we yeah. lift that shame and embarrassment of past generations who might have said, like, you know, we don't talk. Yeah, about, exactly. We don't we don't talk about what happens yeah. in the family. Yeah. Well, it's happening all over. Yeah. And <laughs> how is this helping us? Where yeah. are my casseroles? Right. And so I think that. Um, so thank you for just sharing it so yeah. openly. Where's and honestly, my casserole, people? <laughs> it's like a lasagna, please. Um, if I were a widow. It would be filled and stocked, but um, yeah, <laughs> no. So I so thank you because that shame and embarrassment I think will dissipate the more and more yeah. we talk about it. So thanks yeah. for doing that. So where can everyone find you? So Rise Up Rooted is um, an online resource center I created a few years ago as people were reaching out and saying, "Who can I talk to?" Or I just wanting they want to share and read more stories Mm. from others. And that's a big part of it. So online at Rise Up Rooted. 
And it is, um, it, you know, I love when people share their stories. They can do it under a, a you know, pseudonym or their real yeah. name, what have you. But that's the thing, you know, people feel so alone in this and this grief so often. And if you're not yet ready to share it with your people who know you and, and your loved one, if you're not ready to share what you're experiencing, Rise Up Rooted is an opportunity to, to hear from others and to see some resources. And um, on my own personal website is stephaniesarazin.com. Um, there, there are additional resources there, including links to the book, Soul Broken, mm-hmm. um, which will, is available for pre-order now. And I'm really loving, here's a copy. I just got this the other day. Isn't it fun? It's all one word. Oh, I love And um, I'm really proud of the book, Wendy. It isn't just my story. Thank you. Thank you. It's so much, yeah. It's the book I wish I would have had all those years Mm. ago. And um, it's published by Grand Central Publishing um, and their balance imprint and available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and your favorite booksellers oh. but it's a it's a compilation of stories in each chapter as well as actionable tools that can help you move through your ambiguous grief in a way that is healthy and helpful and yeah. and um lots of exercises you can go through and other stories you can read um as well I'm so I, proud my, of you thank you I, I I'm know. really proud of myself too thank yeah. you. It, was, it was a lot it was hard it was hard. I'm sending you a casserole, dang it. Uh, <laughs> no, and I know too, like I've written a book before, which could not be published, but that's a whole other story. Um, but I know how much it, especially when it comes to something personal, it's a lot because you almost have to relive the journey. Yes. And it's so, it's so I know that there's tears uh, on those pages there for you. Right. Absolutely. There yeah. are. And those, as you know, as you started to tear up, it, never be afraid mm. of or ashamed of your tears. That's liquid yeah. love. Yeah. That's your love coming through. Yeah. And so I cried a lot. And as I was, you know, each chapter shares another person's story of their ambiguous grief. And I just would, would, would cry and be overwhelmed with the love that they were sharing and then just really wanting to honor their story, you know, yeah. in a way that they would be proud. And I'm just so so grateful that so many people shared their stories with me and um you know some are reflected here in the book so if you're looking for actionable exercises um there's a free a freebie downloadable um resource guide on my website as well and there and it's it's stephanie stephanie that's right yep right okay Mm -hmm. and you guys can always follow her on instagram right now obviously she's on here so you can and i'll put all that into the into the notes and the caption after i publish this but um i've learned so much i feel good i'm like i'm glad right and (laughs) i feel good too and you know this is something that happens for a lot of people midlife right yeah oh god so um and, and again what do we do with it do we stuff it in our sock drawer and just chin up we're fine Yes. Okay. Good luck if you do. That's tough. Or do we turn into it and find the gifts and learn to love our losses as you beautifully modeled for us? Yeah. Thank you. And um, I think like for midlife, I mean, I think maybe we talked about this before we went live, but there's all sorts of changes going on, whether you like Mm -hmm. it or not. I mean, kids are leaving the nest. You're, you're going to be retiring soon. You're, you, what their divorces, new relationships, what right. there's so much going on beyond your control. And it's like, you do have to grieve for that life that once was. And then it allows you, I feel like when you do 
When you let go of that, it frees up your energy to be able to move forward. Because otherwise you just stay stuck and being stuck is not fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just a final thought as that's such a great point. Thank you for Mm -hmm. making it. I think one reason I have found people don't move forward Mm -hmm. is because letting go of their loved one is something that they don't want to do. Yeah. When you identify yourself as the person grieving that loved one, or you identify yourself in that role, you don't want to put it down and, and go forward. You don't know how, but your loved one never leaves you, never Mm -hmm. leaves you. Right. And Mm -hmm. it just grows with you. It goes with you differently. That, That love may not grow as it once did, but it, it doesn't just go away. But if you do grieve it and go through the process and allow yourself to feel all those feelings, then you can learn to carry it with you in a different way. So you can move forward into new relationships and, and be grateful for your, your losses and and be thankful for all you've learned. Yeah. Be a, be a lost boss. I love that. (laughs) That's a hashtag. That's a new hashtag, everybody. Hashtag. Hashtag. Um, Put my glasses on. Um, I'm going to scroll back through to see if there's any questions from anyone. Um, Scott, I think someone, Scott, was it you that bought a badge? Thank you. You were so awesome. I saw that and I didn't want to, um, interrupt our guest here. I need to write a book. Scott said, I know people would read it. I just don't know how to go about getting it started. Any suggestions Mm -hmm. there? Absolutely. I would, if I felt the same way, I felt Mm -hmm. that I had, uh, and I've, I don't have any prior publishing experience at all. I just felt that I had um, a book that could be of service to others. And Mm -hmm. so I started to ask people, um, how does this process work? What I thought was that a nonfiction book was, um, you know, or any books, you would write it, you would write the manuscript, Mm -hmm. and then you would try to send it to the publishing houses and, and wait for, to see who would like to purchase it. Right. And just, <laughs> and that is so wrong. That's not yeah. how it works. What I found is that, um, I, there, there are three ways you can publish. You can, you can publish with one of the big five publishing houses and all of the imprints inside those, um, those houses. You can self-publish, do it all on your own, or this hybrid publishing is starting to come forward. Yes, you're writing, that. but they have an editor and they help you publish it, etc. And I, my, my thought was, I'm just going to aim for the stars on this, and I will start with mm-hmm. pursuing a publisher, and then recalibrate as needed. And uh, in order to get in uh, into a publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, most most of them, many many, would like uh, an agent to bring them the man the the proposal, and so I found an agent. So the first step, if it's um, non if it's nonfiction or fiction, is is to find an agent. So if there's a book you like or a series of books you like or you know authors that you admire, find out who their agent is, uh, or you can you know do research online to find out who would be the best agent for you. Yeah, and I was just gonna say too, and as far as like you just. You just have to start as far as you the just have to process, start. You just have to sit your ass down and yeah. start. And it's and not about writing the book. Yep. You they don't want to judge it. Just let it go. Like just, and, and that's what I did. I mean, I'm again, unfortunately mine could not be published for several reasons, but 
it was so therapeutic. I mean, it yes. ended up being a 200 page journal entry, but, <laughs> wow. but it was so good for me. So, yes. um, so I, and I think that's all part of it too. You go into it with complete detachment, just whatever will be, will be. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll detach just the, if you, the, whatever you're going into, just starting yeah. and starting that process. It doesn't have to be the full book. They, the agents want a proposal and then they shop the proposal to yeah. the publishing houses. And then the editor who buys the book then helps you frame what the book looks like. Yeah. And then you write it. So who knew? I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, I think you're exactly right, Wendy. It's just get started. Just get it. Just get it out. Just get um, started. Yeah. I, it was so, so nice to be with you and oh, hear your you. story. And I love the content you're putting out for all thank of us you. midlifers. And, you know, the more we're talking about it, right? Um, <laughs> I think the the more we help one another along the path. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're thank exactly you for that work. Right. All right. Thank I you. So, so appreciate I will, it. Um, grief is a receipt. Love that. <laughs> Where, well, what did he say? Where do we find her book at? Just any bookstore. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble? Yep, Barnes and Noble or Amazon. Um, now it's in pre-order. Thank you for pre-ordering. And then October 11th is the actual launch date. So um, you can find it at those yeah. uh, booksellers or just go- Google your favorite um, independent bookstore and they can uh, pre-order it as well. Thank you, Stephanie. She said, so Thank excited you, about these kinds of insights and very excited about Soul Broken, um, Stephanie Thornton said. So yeah, I will put uh, in the caption, you guys, after I post this video and I'll put all of her links, but just definitely follow her. And um, and this will be on the podcast too in probably about three weeks as well. So, Oh, terrific. Thanks Yay! for having me, Wendy. And thanks Thank everybody you. for joining. Yes. Y'all have a great day. You too. Take care. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I absolutely love chatting with you and learning all about ambiguous loss. You are truly a gift to all of us. and You are providing so much healing for the world. Thank you. Everyone, grab a copy of Stephanie's new book, Soul Broken, a guide for your journey through ambiguous grief. You can order at stephaniesarazin.com, Amazon, or Barnes & Noble. Thank you guys so much. Did this podcast inspire you, make you laugh, or challenge you in some way? If the answer is yes, then there are two ways you can thank me. One, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. I so appreciate that. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it onto your social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Thank you so much, everyone. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.